Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Thank you all. You sound amazing. Hi, how are we doing tonight? Good. Listen, um, one of my favorite things about um, speaking is when I ask people how they're doing. Sometimes you get this reaction. Um, you just scream at me. And, and that only works in this environment. Um, like at a concert, you know, they say, uh, like, how are we doing tonight? <laughs> Bingo. Now, does that work at like the local cafe? No. No. You're, you know, you're, you're not like getting coffee with your buddy and you're like, how you doing? And they're just like, Yeah. Right in front of your face. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, I am so excited to be here. In fact, I grew up uh, like 15 minutes away, and I love that when they do the rules, they don't even say like um, there are boundaries and don't leave, although you shouldn't. Um, but there, but let me just, spoiler alert here, there's nothing out there. Uh, like you could walk all night till the sun comes up. You might make it to like Walmart. That's the closest cool thing if you're into Walmart. I like Walmart. And so, uh, but, but like there's nothing out there. Uh, however... There is something here. We, we firmly believe that there's something here for each and every one of you. And so we want you to lean in this weekend. It is quick, and there's certainly other places you could have been, but I speak on behalf of River Valley Ranch and all the amazing people here that we are so glad that you are here. And you might not be there yet. That's fine. Uh, it, it will grow on you. I totally get that. But lean in with us, because I believe that you got something here that's deeper and better. And and can I say, and be so bold as to say, it might change your life forever. It might. And and maybe, okay, you are familiar with this faith thing, right? Over the next two days, three days, I'm going to unpack, dissect what we call the gospel. It's a word that gets thrown around, but I don't know how well we actually know it. And I'm asking that even if you think you know it, you lean in. And if you feel like you know it, but you don't love it, lean in. I think that God has something for everyone here. And myself included. I'm not ruling myself out. So I literally speak for everyone when I say, please lean in. Now, I'd love to um, get to know all of you, but I I won't be able to. But I said I can at least have them get to know me because I have the microphone. So um, I'm going to tell you a few things about myself. First and foremost, I am joined by my better half, my lovely wife in the back, Mackenzie Grace Wells, now contestable. She hasn't legally changed her name, so uh, it's a long process. I don't know how people do that. Uh, and so she's wonderful. We actually are going to be celebrating one year in like two weeks. So we're, we're newlyweds. I, I've, I've heard that at one year you're an expert, so um, I'm pretty excited to have it all figured out in two weeks here. Um, and and uh, we don't have kids, and the reason I feel like I have to say that is because I, second thing you have to know about me, absolutely love puns and dad jokes. Love them. I just, I really do. Um, like that whole, the whole bit up here, HR guy, well done. Well done. I just, I, I love that stuff. I, I just realized like I used to like sarcasm and then I hurt some people and I said, I want, I want really innocent humor from now on. And let me prove it to you. All right. So um, can, I, can I use you for an illustration here? Okay. So um, some people say that I am telepathetic, meaning I can read your mind. So uh, I think I have that right. Okay. So um, what, well, what's your name? Caleb. Caleb? Correct. That is correct. You got that one right. I, see, see, I already, I'm already in your mind, man. All right, listen. Um, so can I, I, I'll say this. I know where you got your shoes. I'm going to read your mind, all right? You ready? 
okay, you've got, <laughs> stop laughing, man. All right, you've got your shoes. You got them on your feet. Come on, did I get you? Thank, come on. I will be here all weekend for your amusement. Um, the next thing that I, I really love are, I love socks. When you get to be my age, there's not a lot of things that make you cool in life, so I really like socks. Um, that's a cool collection. Thank you, yes. If you have cool socks, I'd like to see them this week. If you don't know how to approach me and talk to me later in the week, just say, hey, what socks do you have on today? Because I'm always proud of my socks, and no one ever asks, and nobody ever shows them off. So what? You want to see my socks right now? You want to see my socks? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I got you all. Um, next thing you got to know about me, last thing, um, this is like probably my only actual hobby, but I love to travel. Um, and that's great, only when you don't have a lot of money, that's not so great, right? Um, and I have traveled all over and like on a dime. And so um, you don't, here's the thing, when you're balling on a budget, you have to do a lot of planning when you travel. And I'd say most of the time, the plan works out well, it goes in my favor, it makes sense, it's nice. Uh, but occasionally, plans fall through, don't they? That's just a fact of life. You've got a plan, doesn't matter how good it is or how, how detailed you have it, guess what? Boom, something goes wrong. And, and you know, oftentimes the things that go wrong often make for the most memorable vacations, most memorable times in your life, sometimes really funny, right? You're like, oh my gosh, there's one vacation and, and we were having some conversations with the RVR crew. Um, that is a great icebreaker for people you don't know. Just your funniest, craziest, you know, plans go wrong story. In fact, I'd love to share what I believe to be as one of the world's best examples of when life does not go according to plan. It is a personal friend of mine. Do you want to hear the story? Okay. Now, here's the cool thing about this story. I used to be in student ministry, and I would save this story for camp, and you had to go to camp to hear this story. And so you're all at camp, and I'm the speaker, so you all get to hear this story. And there were people that, like, coveted this story, and they wouldn't tell anybody. They were like, I'm not telling you until you go to camp. And so you guys get to hear the story of my friend Luke. He's now a missionary, and he's back, and I had breakfast with him um, Wednesday, and I didn't ask permission because I just tell this story all the time. He basically gave me the rights. So once upon a time, my friend Luke uh, was a freshman in college, and he uh, had in this interest in this girl in one of his classes. You know where this goes? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. T totally gross. You're right. Um, <laughs> and so he, he's like, uh, you know, uh, working up the courage. It took him all semester to work up the courage to ask her out. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to ask her out. Ask. And it's like, finals and he asked her out and she's like that's cool uh we're leaving tomorrow right so like great timing how about rain check for january so come january they finally go on the date you you imagine like you know how, i don't know if you know this but um you're really anxious before a date you imagine like a month and a half build up of anxiety to like this date you're like oh my gosh so much is going in to this day and so they get to the day and they go an hour away, um, which is not always wise. Go somewhere close, right? They go an hour away to this little cafe that she liked, and, uh, and, and she suggests that he try the chai latte. Now, he had never tried a chai latte in his life. And, and let this be a lesson, 
please hear me. This is my first words of wisdom for the talk. Don't try something new on a first date. When it comes to food and drinks, don't do it. So he tries the chai latte, and the date's going really well. Like, like there's going to be another date kind of well. And, uh, and then right as they're kind of wrapping up, he's like, hmm, <laughs> I feel a little rumble in the tumble. And uh, he's like, but I don't want to go to the bathroom on a date, right? You know, he's like, I don't want to do that. So um, I'll just save it till we get back after the hour drive, right? You see where this is going? <laughs> so, so 30 minutes in, 30 minutes in, and it's January in Pennsylvania, okay? Cold. It's like, you know, 20s out there. And the 30 minutes in, and he is dripping sweat, just, just shaking. He said, I was just shaking. And, and, he, and he had the AC turned on in, the, in January, in the winter. AC. And so shockingly, his date notices that he's in a very awkward state right now. And she just kind of says, um, are you okay? Like, is everything all right? You know? And he's like, I just really have to use the restroom, putting it very lightly. And so she's like, all right, well, there's an exit up here. We'll just take the exit. I get to the exit, everything's going fine. Get off the exit, there is the bathroom. My gosh, it's like, it's like heaven shining, glistening. Ah! And, he's, and he's like, okay, almost there, red light. He's sitting. And you know when you're close? You know, it's almost worse the closer you get. So when the light turned green, he started going. Like, going, I'm, I'm not the car. The, he went, he started. And, and he said, and you know, when you start, you can't stop. So he is like, so he's trying to maneuver the vehicle. And, and he said, it is loud and it smells and she said, it's bad, bad. So, so they get in and as if it's like worse, I mean, he parks his car in the, in the gas station and, and he continues with his head on the wheel because he couldn't, he couldn't stop. So... <laughs> He's just pooping his pants <laughs> on a first date. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? He's just like, oh my gosh, right? Well, you know, what do you say? What do you do? There's no way to come back from that. And so he kind of gets to a, a resting point and he just, he's like, I just pooped my pants. What do I do? <laughs> As if she has the answer, like, don't worry, this happens on all my first dates. <laughs> so she says, just go into the bathroom. And he's like, are you kidding me? He said, it is running. It is go, it is, I'm going to walk in. They're going to smell, there's going to be a trail. He said, I'm not doing that. He says, I have a better idea. A better idea, he says, as he reaches behind and grabs what he thought was his coat, but was her coat, pulls it out, gets out, goes behind a dumpster, proceeds to, this is so graphic, I'm so sorry, if you guys need to get counsel, I get it, but he, he goes behind the dumpster, he loses everything. That's it. He used it all as much as he could to kind of clean up. It did more harm than good. He is now naked, freezing, covered in poop, behind a dumpster, on a date. Talk about plans not going according, right? Not working out so well. So he sits there. This is my favorite part of the story. I, I, it doesn't make people laugh all the time, but this is my favorite part. He, he sits there, just like contemplating life, you know? 
Like, what choices have I made to get to this point? How do I move forward? Do I just leave now and never return to this state? I mean, like, do I drop out of, I have a class with her this semester. What do I do? And so anyway, he, he's like, well, I want to save my shoes. And, uh, and he takes her coat. <laughs> he holds it. And he goes back to the car. And, uh, and all the while, his window doesn't work. So she's waving him down. And she opens the door. She's like, Luke, turn around. He turns around. And it is one of those gas stations where it's like all window front. And there are just all these people. And like, in their mind, they're seeing naked man approaching car. And he's like, we got to go. We got to get out of here. He's like, this is bad. She offers to drive home. And he accepts the offer, and she sits in the seat, and they drive in absolute silence with all the windows but the passenger side down. With the, eat, the heat on full blast, they get home, they hug, and they kiss goodbye. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they, they, they get back, nothing, just awkward, drops him off. He, he, he was like trying to never tell anyone this story, but he goes back, and one roommate was like home and he didn't expect it. He's like, how was the, oh my gosh. (laughs) How was the date? (laughs) And and so I tell that because it is probably the best story and it makes me feel better when things go wrong in my life to know like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Um, No, he didn't get a second date. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Good question. So... Now, that's, that's funny, but life has a way of doing this, doesn't it? And, and it's, it's not quite as funny when, I mean, I saw your hands go up. My hand was up for those. It's not so funny when it's something a little more serious, when your parents' marriage didn't turn out as planned, as hoped, when you find yourself in friendships that deteriorate, or, or worse, it feels like they, they stab you in the back. When, when you screw up and you didn't even intend to, you didn't want to, and yet, again, I screwed up. Why, why, why? Why do I keep screwing up? And, and, and when it comes to life as a whole, what's the plan? Because it feels like it's never working out for me. And, and so that question prompts so many other questions in our lives, doesn't it? I mean, the big questions of life that I think we all face at some point or another. Who, who even am I? Do I matter? What's my value? What is my purpose? Do I make a difference? Why am I here? Those questions can be confusing and overwhelming, and we don't always know what to do with those questions. And I think deep down, the reason we even ask those questions is because we really, really, really hope that I was created on purpose and for a purpose, that I have an identity and that I have value. My circumstances don't always convince me that that's true, but I wish and I hope, and I would argue I know. Because if you have a desire, there has to be something that satisfies it. In fact, C.S. Lewis, famous author, puts it this way. I love how he says it. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Over the next few days... I want to tell you about the world for which you were created. We call it the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And this is where we find the plan for our life. We have to start there. 
So uh, you've already heard the theme, the kingdom tapestry made up of all these individual threads which paint a picture. It's like fabric and art got together and created this wonderful thing we call tapestry. And some are so intricate, they take generations to make when made by hand. But, but I love that it takes such a visionary, a true artist, to be able to see everything in the detail so that you can make this beautiful tapestry. And it weaving in and out. And you think about the components of the tapestry, and, and every one of them is important. Meaning, a single thread has importance, is placed on purpose. Well, in God's kingdom, every single person is placed on purpose for a purpose. But all the threads make the picture. Meaning, you look around the room and you might see differences in denomination, in beliefs, in age, in color, in background, and you name it. But every person makes the picture. See, it is not uniformity. It's not just some bland gray thing. It, it's, it's beautiful and different and it jumps off. But if you had a bunch of thread and, and yarn and all this stuff, but you didn't actually have the vision or the means to make it, it doesn't matter. And therefore, the best part of the kingdom tapestry is that we have a God who sees and weaves and orchestrates, maneuvers and moves and uses every individual thread, every individual person, putting you together and making you more beautiful together, giving purpose even to the pain in your life. And so we got to look to this kingdom that we have, this picture that we have. So, begs the question, what is the plan then? What is the plan for my life hidden in this kingdom tapestry? What is it? The plan is peace. Peace. It might be an interesting word choice for you, but stay with me. In fact, um, you know, some speakers have like three points, some have two, one. I'm just going to give you one word every time I speak. I'm going to talk a lot, but I'm going to give you one word that grasps the whole concept that we're talking about as best I can. And, and so I want us to, uh, in fact, I'll play a game where when I'm speaking, I'll say, what's the word? And you got to shout back to me what the word is. So let me hear you. Tonight's word is peace. What is the word? Peace. What is the word? Peace. Thank you. Yeah, you got to like Ah, give it ah, loud, right? One more time. What is the word? Peace. Oh my gosh, beautiful. Okay, thank you, thank you. Um, but then what is peace? And I think we got to understand what it is before we move forward. Because when I hear the word peace, and maybe you too, you might think um, like no war, no problems, no siblings, or, <laughs> you know, I have two older sisters. We might think it's the absence of problems and pain and, and, and brokenness, and that's part of it. But when I say peace, specifically shalom, which is the Hebrew word that is used, when I talk about the plan God has, the plan God had, the plan that God created, peace is more than just the absence of pain and problems. Peace is the universal flourishing of life. It is nothing missing and nothing broken. It is completeness. It is wholeness. Does anybody raise your, I always forget what these are called, glow stick. Raise your glow stick if you feel like you could use that kind of peace in life. Not just the absence of, but man, if I was flourishing in school, in my relationships, in my house, with my, oh my gosh. 
Doesn't that change the way you view the word peace? Man, now that sounds far-fetched. That sounds hard to believe, and I get it, but listen, I want to build from the ground up this thing we call the gospel because it is beautiful. But if you hear this and you think far-fetched, not possible, I'm checking out. Please, please don't. To build something up, sometimes you got to break things down. And so just because it's hard to believe that peace is and was and will always be the plan for God, and you can't see it, perceive it, or believe it yet, please hang on. Because peace is the plan. And if you want to know the meaning to artwork, think of tapestry, you, you might consider talking to or asking the creator, the person who had the vision to begin with. And so I think in the same way, it's fitting that if we want to look at the plan of peace, we have to look to the creator God. So in the very beginning, Genesis 1, 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, let me pause right here, because when I say Genesis, we all kind of have an idea, even if you you aren't a believer, you've heard of creation story, and you've heard of Genesis and this idea, but we focus so much when it comes to Genesis on the what was made, on the how it was made, on the when it was made, on the why it was made, and we miss the most important part of the whole story of Genesis. Who? Who made? Who created? In Genesis 1 alone, God is mentioned 30 times. The the, the author went to extreme lengths to convey that the main thing is the main thing is the main thing is God himself before everything that was created. And so let's not confuse the two for our sake. For conversation's sake tonight, the story is and always has revolved around God alone. And we have to start there. If we don't start there, we won't ever get to the answers of the life's questions that tend to keep us up at night and haunt us and and make us wonder why we're here and if we've got matter and purpose. In fact, I love the way that Arthur Pink says, English Bible teacher, he says, in the beginning, God. This is the foundation truth of all real theology. Theology is the study of God, of who God is. God is the great originator and initiator. It is the ignoring of this, which is the basic error in all human schemes. False systems of theology and philosophy begin with man and seek to work up to God. But this is a turning of things upside down. We must, in all our thinking, begin with God and work down to man. You want to know your purpose? So do I. You want to know your identity? So do I. But you have to start with God and work down. This is where we actually get answers to these questions that come up in life so frequently. In fact, uh, God created man. So God created mankind in Genesis 1.27. Created mankind as his own image. In the image of God, he created them. He created male and female. God created us in his image. In his image. And let me just say, this is what that means. It means that you are created to reflect the very God who spoke into existence. The God who has the power to create. You were created so uniquely from all of other creation. And here are two things at least that it means. One, you cannot be unmade in God's image. We will talk about how we have failed and how we got this story wrong when we tried to become first in the story, not God. And in so doing, 
God had repercussions. There were consequences. There was pain and problems that got introduced when we tried to become first in the story. But you know what didn't happen? Because God is merciful and gracious. He didn't unmake you in his image. He did not unmake you, and you cannot be unmade. You can be marred. You can be messed up. Life can hurt you. It can ricochet. It can bounce back. You might be an ugly or broken reflection, not a perfect picture of God Almighty, but you are made in the image of God, and that says something incredible about you. The second thing is that you cannot make God in your image. It does not work that way, but we try. We try. We say, you know, I'm just going to cut out the parts that I don't like, don't agree with, um, don't understand, and I'm just going to make God this um, all-loving God or this um, vengeful, I don't know who's doing that, but maybe. I'm just going to take the wrath of God. We just shave off parts of God that we don't like or understand. I'm telling you, the tapestry is more beautiful when you leave it all intact. But just because you don't understand where one thread goes does not mean it doesn't have a place in the tapestry itself. This is true for who God is. This is true for the parts of our lives that we can't make sense of yet. God takes things and turns them. He takes things and he remakes them. But I think we sometimes, even in our understanding, like we're itching at the fact that I know God created me on purpose with a purpose. And, and I know I'm made in his image and I don't always reflect that perfectly. And so sometimes we get pictures of God that just are ugly. And, and, and people get hurt in church, yes, by other Christians, yes. And, and I just want to say, none of us are going to reflect perfectly at this time. That is okay, it, but it doesn't change how God made you, how he created you. He set us apart. Adam, he gave responsibilities to. In Genesis 2, he talks about his responsibility to basically cultivate and care for the garden, the Garden of Eden. He said, you're going to be a gardener. But his obedience to that command was an act of worship. In fact, you could say it this way, that he was um, a gardener is what he was told to do, but a worshiper is who he was created to be. And in one fell swoop in Adam's life, we see both purpose and identity married together. It, it was peaceful. It was flourishing. You know, I'm envious of the fact that Adam was the one person who never had to question his identity and his purpose and his value. Oh my gosh, what I wouldn't give. Man. Now he traded it because he didn't know what he had. That happens sometimes with valuable things. You take them for granted until they're gone. You, you don't know the value of something until you don't have it anymore. Once upon a time, I was hospitalized for something called spontaneous pneumomediastinum. Yeah, say that 10 times fast. Basically, what happened is a minuscule, imperceivable amount of air escaped out my lung, and it went over here, and it irritated. Well, um, that sounds like nothing, but I was hospitalized for three days, and I could not breathe because of the irritation it produces. Now, if it goes inside, it can irritate your heart, cause a heart attack, and you die. And they said, oh, this is really common in tall, skinny, white men. And I was like, oh, cool, thanks, that's super specific. <laughs> like, I just checked all the boxes. Oh, and young, I was like, but, but man, I didn't know the value of air itself until I couldn't breathe. I, you don't know the value of things until they're gone. 
I love that more than anything, more than identity and purpose, Adam found in God relationship. It says that they walked together in the garden. See, Adam was fully known and fully loved. This was God's perfect plan. This was universal flourishing. This was a picture of nothing missing and nothing broken. What's the word? Peace. Oh, come on. What's the word? Peace. Peace. This is the picture that God had. Certainly identity and purpose to be fully known, fully loved, and in perfect relationship with God, our creator forever. My gosh, it does not get better than that. This was the plan. This is how God intended his creation and his kingdom to operate. But it's not just that. It's actually valuable too. In fact, I love the way Jesus paints the picture of the kingdom of God. He says this um, in Matthew. Um, he says the kingdom of God, he says these parables. I'm going to go to it here. Oh, where's my, my $5 bill? There we go. He says this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. That's strong language, Jesus, for the value of the kingdom of God. That's really strong language. It sold everything? And, and I, I'm willing to bet that if you had even 60 seconds of the peace that God intended to give every one of us in the beginning, you would spend everything and the rest of your life trying to get back to that and create that for those around you. I'm telling you, like air itself. But see, um, the value of the kingdom speaks to the value of you as well. There's something about the kingdom that speaks to the intrinsic, meaning nothing can take it away or change it or morph it, value that God created in you. Why? Because the creator gets to determine the value of something. I got a $5 bill, and why, is, it, is it worth $5? Yes. Why? Because it's what America says. That's good. What America says. <laughs> yeah, because of this little stamp right here, Department of the Treasury. It's got a stamp. In the same way, created in the image of God, you got a stamp. But... When you don't know the value of something, you can just treat it like junk. Did the value of this change? Who, who wants this? Why do you want it? It's crumpled up. Like, why do you want it? Why do you want it? All right. All right, just one person gets it. <laughs> Start a mass riot. But wait, but wait. All right, hey. But here's, the, here's my point. You guys just went crazy over $5. Do you understand? Listen, do you understand? Do you understand the value of the kingdom of God? Do you understand the value of a place that paints a picture of peace like you couldn't imagine but so deeply and desperately desire? Can you imagine? Hang with me, I'm almost done here. You are marked and made in the image of God and nothing changes that. This is what it says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Another translation says you are his masterpiece. 
His masterpiece is what marks your identity by God. He deems you a masterpiece. You might, like me, feel like a work in progress, but he says you're a work of art. He says, no, no, no. Beautiful in my eyes. Created to do good works. This is the purpose that God gave you. You don't have to go looking anymore. It's hard, but you, trust me, in all of this, to the glory of God, as an act of worship, you were created on purpose for a purpose. This is God's design, his perfect plan, nothing missing and nothing broken. What's the word? Peace. Peace. And it might be hard to believe, it might be hard to see because of what has happened to you in life, but trust me, and we're going to talk more and more about it because it sounds too good to be true, and it was, but then we tried to make ourselves first in the story. We're going to talk about that tomorrow morning. But until then, I'm going to pray, and, uh, and then we're going to have Elijah and Jen come back out, and then you guys have free time. So let me pray. Lord, thank you for night one, Lord, for bringing us here, for getting us to this place. And Lord, we affirm and believe that you have something for every person here. God, I pray that we would open our minds and open our hearts and, and just let loose and let go just a little bit to say, all right, Lord, what do you have? I pray we would lean into the truth that you created us on purpose for a purpose. And Lord, we so deeply desire and, and, and want peace in our lives and in this world. Lord, help us to desire your kingdom more as the valuable treasure that it is. Lord, it's in your name that we pray and say, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.